0: You're listening to Market Scale Energy. I'm your host, Sean Heath, and today I have an opportunity to have a conversation with John Jung. He is the president and CEO for Greensmith Energy of Artsela Company. John, how are you today?
1: Very good. Thanks very much for having me.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. Hey, uh, so do me a favor just give me the brief uh, history of how you came to be with Greensmith
1: sure um I've been in the the, the startup I, I suppose landscape uh, VC back funded companies for a while this is my fifth VC back company so about 10 years ago um, a set of investors asked me to take a look at an opportunity related to energy storage uh, so in, in other words although uh, I'm very familiar with technology it was my first opportunity to you know build essentially a uh, a, a system and a machine for the power grid and so it, uh, it it lent itself to a great deal of opportunity to learn about the grid, some of the problems, what energy storage could do. Uh, so uh, the way I, I looked at it, which was a little bit different, is there was a lot of discussion about batteries. You know, kind of the killer app in the space for a while was just, you know, a, a better battery. And what I thought was that that made as much sense as talking about, you know, chipsets in our in our phones. And of course, our phones do a lot more today. Uh, it's replaced a lot of other things. It's multi-application. So. We took very much a computing approach to uh, energy storage, you know, based on my learning about what the problems were uh, on the grid, which is more about, you know, the fact that it's it's not very integrated, um, it doesn't use a lot of data, et cetera, beyond you know transitions to renewable. So, uh, so from those uh, early ideas and a lot of uh, you know execution, uh, we delivered about a third of the total energy storage deployments in the United States uh, in 2016, and that's when we started to get noticed but that's how I I, I got involved in the uh, in the energy storage business and and Greensmith about 10 years ago
0: So looking back over your career I see a very definite thread there's a commonality in just your sort of mental makeup and that is it seems like you, are driven by the challenge of solving problems. You see something, uh, obviously from an entrepreneurial side, you have that spirit. But it seems like you take a special pride in seeing a challenge or a need and figuring out the best way, the most efficient way, the most economic way to solve that need.
1: Yeah, I think that's absolutely uh, spot on. I think um, you know most entrepreneurs that are engaged in startups are looking to you know solve a problem that people care about in different ways in this particular case um i think the uh the potential was just massive because you're talking about an industry that touches on every aspect of of you know business and every you know every individual relies on electricity first off secondly um you know energy storage was you know a, a pretty big problem um related to the way the grid functions and whether that could be improved and so the the exciting part of what you just said is that we took a very different approach. And I, I certainly have given my background mostly in distributed computing and cloud computing and, you know, looking at things as more of a, a technology and, and software problem as opposed to a problem of, let's say, better materials and, and whatnot. Um, yeah, that's the common uh, common link. And, and, and I think it was a radical way of looking at how to build energy storage technology and software. Uh, but in hindsight, I think that's part of the reason why we are you know, perhaps one of the, uh, the, the, top deployers of energy storage, not just in the United States, but new countries such as Hungary and Singapore and other places where, uh, we're implementing. So yeah, there's, a, there's a definitely a common thread. Um, and, and I would, I would say that for, uh, even, uh, the Ubers of the world and, and other sort of startups that are looking, um, at, uh, opportunities to imbue, uh, more, um, computing technology and data and, and software into industries that, uh, were driven by other, other trends. Um, I think there's a lot of commonalities uh, there as well. It's a very exciting time for some of these applied technologies.
0: Let's expand on that a little bit with regard specifically to Greensmith's mission. And that is obviously energy storage is such a basic part of just the infrastructure. And being able to develop a, a cleaner um, I know you take pride in intelligent uh, infrastructure. Talk to me a little bit about sort of the evolution of what I believe you're calling the GEMS platform.
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think initially uh, we wanted to um, you know, be a leader in energy storage technology, which basically meant that um, you know, we would design and integrate very, very large machines, some as large as 80 megawatt hours that we delivered in California. Um, and, and to run it um, not just on, on the basis of good batteries and good inverters and, and other components but integrate it and run it on software that would lend itself to a multi-application kind of use case in other words um, you know energy storage I think most people think about it as you know sort of a time machine around you know storing electricity when it's plentiful and cheap and releasing it when it is uh, rare and, and scarce and, and also very costly but our view was that um, you know forgetting about, just charging and discharging batteries, that this could be a perfect grid machine that solves a lot, a lot of different problems. So, so GEMS as a software platform, which many of our customers, uh, such as Duke and Eon and others around the world, are telling us is is the best in the industry, was a key part of that. The second part of that evolution, however, to to your question, is that we are now uh, becoming a part of, I would say, the automation. And intelligence of the overall grid. So, you know, not only uh, because of where the energy storage systems are going, which is in off- often cases the most difficult parts of, of the grid where they're they're having a lot of problems, there's a lot of stress because renewables are coming on, et cetera. But we're now being asked to, um, you know, provide that sort of master controller for a variety of different grid assets, regardless of whether it's hydrocarbon based or renewable based to optimize um, the grid around the world. And so, yeah. I think that's what's kind of exciting about the evolution of where we began and the leadership that we saw in the, in, in the energy storage market and how the story is now uh, evolving into uh, playing a, a much greater role in grid optimization.
0: And let me just clarify one thing here that we, we haven't talked about yet, but you've actually reached 180 megawatts of energy storage. You're right around there, Correct.
1: Yeah, actually, uh, that that's uh, probably about a year old. So we're getting into, um, I, I would say, half a gigawatt territory here in the next 12 months. Uh, last year, we completed 11 different projects uh, in six countries. So, yeah, the, the numbers are getting uh, just uh, insane these days.
0: Well, now, I know you focus on scalability as well. You know, you start out just like from grid scale, but you also focus on that behind the meter sort of microgrid solution. You're really looking at the entire picture.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely right. Scalability to us, you know, means that uh, we can not only deliver projects very quickly, but also maximize the effectiveness of those projects. So, the, um, the biggest system in the world, I think, uh, that was commissioned in 2016 was ours at 80 megawatt hours. It, it was re- in response to a gas leak that occurred in California. And we delivered uh, the entire system from notice to proceed to commissioning within CAISO in four months. But that scalability uh, is not just about size and different locations that we deploy, You know, whether they're islands uh, in Europe or uh, in Southeast Asia and everywhere in between where we're deploying energy storage. It's also the act of designing and combining energy storage with other generation assets, so it almost becomes a virtual power plant or a microgrid that delivers more value as well. So scalability to us, from either an operational or technology standpoint, um, has always been not only about the energy storage system itself, but how do you scale that relative to um, existing, you know, generation assets that exist around the world, and that's part of the reason why we're delivering more and more systems to to more and more. Uh, places because it's being combined with other assets
0: now to brag on you for just a minute because i know this would make your mom proud so (laughs) you have an mba from the richard ivy school of business and then for your undergrad you got a degree in economics and sciences so you are very conscious of economy Uh, just the all of the parameters that go into being efficient and I have a feeling that efficiency is going to be one of those things that is going to continue to be in the forefront in the industry. What other things do you think are going to be keys in driving those changes as the industry moves forward?
1: Yeah, I think related to efficiency, if you think about uh, the grid, what we call the grid today, it is a very asset intensive industry. Um, and, And it's one of the only ones that still has an average asset utilization of under 50%, which means it's a big, powerful grid that's almost overbuilt, but we don't get to use it very often. So for me, the future um, of, of where this is going, that's exciting not only for us, but you know, grid operators around the world down to individual citizens, is that through intelligence, software, and optimization, which is a, a big part of what we deliver in addition to the hardware, you're going to get a lot more value and efficiency out of the existing assets that exist on the grid, even while we're doing this tremendous transition into renewables, including solar and wind, which we support heavily. Um, so I, I think uh, whether it's uh, you know conservation of mass or conservation of energy, and those various laws of physics and and other things that I learned in science, um, I think uh, we're also applying a great deal of um, IT science uh of data of um algorithms of optimization of of mathematics in order to get more efficiency out of existing assets that you know quite frankly we spent a lot of time and money to build out around the world um and uh they just they just need to deliver more value to us and and we we believe we're uh, at the forefront of that of that journey that's being made towards that so um you know i i appreciate you bringing up my science and economics background because i think at the end of the day, it, it has to make economic sense in addition to technology sense. So those things need to come together.
0: Well, let me ask you this question as a civilian, so to speak. I, I, I understand batteries, and I know that I have to charge them, and I know I have a battery pack that I can carry around for my phone just in case I you know, run out of charge somewhere. Do you think we're moving to a point where – because the B2B model – is starting to integrate B two C customers are really starting to have a say in how they consume things and how they want to receive things. Do you think we get to a point where energy storage moves to the individual level? Can it get that granular?
1: It can. I mean, that's the short answer to the question. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I think bigger the better in terms of economies of scale, but there's just no question that there's a lot of so-called distributed energy resources that are being deployed that provide a lot of choices, not not only to residential customers, but also people who uh, operate mining centers, matri- manufacturing plants, and other businesses who want, you know, not only more uh, economic energy, but also to gain greater control of reliability. Um, you know, having said that, I, I do think that uh, the, the transition that's taking place uh, globally is also about integrating these different resources so they work together uh so that you have optimization that's not only about one or two variables but it's a, it's a multivariate um you know type opportunity to to take advantage of all the grid assets that are that are on the grid um uh, there there's just no question there's a there's a movement to more distributed forms of resources in general not just energy storage but solar uh and wind uh, but uh, again that uh, that speaks to the fact that uh, we've largely since the early 1900s have invested in a very much a centralized grid infrastructure which means we're very good at controlling big big assets in the middle not particularly good at uh, you know controlling and optimizing grid uh, grid assets at the edges which is where really the growth is as well so uh, so so I, I I do believe that uh, there's going to be an incredible amount of uh, Liberty that's provided through technology to end customers and and residential and commercial industrial customers. Uh, But it all needs to hang together. It all needs to work together in order for us to get the, uh, the, the maximum benefit where one plus one truly equals three.
0: Let me take just a moment then to talk about how you get it all to hang together. Let's go to the software side for a moment. As a tech nerd, I'm always interested in the back end. I'm always interested in the mechanics and the algorithms and just that sort of problem solving always just fascinates me. It seems like software is something you're really putting a lot of your efforts and paying an awful lot of attention to to make sure everything does run smoothly and is optimized.
1: Yeah, I, I'm just one of those people that thinks, um, you know, everything runs better on good software, you know. And, and I think, uh, you know, back in the day, they used to have this uh, kind of geocentric theory of, of the universe where uh, the center was uh, the earth. And of course, heliocentric theory, uh, you know, showed that the center of our universe is very much the sun. I think very much similar to that. I think people are finding that, uh, you know, the center of a car is now becoming a computer. I think the center of a, of a building is becoming a computer you know, as opposed to any sort of physical asset. So, you know, for me, uh, as I took a look at not only energy storage, but the role that we can play on the modernization of the grid and and so called grid 2.0, I really saw it as a computing and software and data uh, analytic type problem. And and with that, perhaps you could argue that Greensmith has been the leader in this space, you know, because it had those kinds of different ideas. But having said that, if you think about, you know, something that uh, we take for granted a little bit called that we still call a phone, uh, an iPhone, uh, it's really a distributed computer that has replaced what pagers, gaming devices, cameras, and other things. And in fact, I think Apple sold more iPhones in, in the fourth quarter uh, of 2016 than the entire PC industry sold PCs. Why? Because we're doing a lot of computing with with our phones. And I think very similar to that, if you think about energy storage, not just as, you know, this battery or that battery or this inverter versus that inverter, but a machine that can really be optimized through uh, not only design and integration, but through software and computing, then uh, you you really, you know, have something exciting where it can deliver a tremendous amount of value being perhaps, you know, the closest thing to a perfect grid machine or or, or an appliance that grid operators have. To solve a multitude of problems, you know why that's important from also a business standpoint is that you just gain more ROI. You know, the last time we checked, ROI is not just about the denominator in terms of cost of batteries and when they're going to come down, but also using the same hardware and same dollar invested in batteries, can you capture more value? Can you deliver more value? And typically, those questions are answered through better software algorithms. So, um, to to make a a, a long story uh, short our systems are machines that right now uh, can do seven different things on the grid. And that's all related to not only design and selecting the right hardware and, and building these machines and integrating them, it's also related to software and algorithms and data analytics and machine learning and all these things that we build in. Uh, so uh, you obviously got me on a very, uh, very interesting topic for me that I'm very passionate about. But I think uh, not just for energy storage, but Grid uh, and assets in general, and the and the overall grid, has not benefited from um, a, an adequate amount of computerization and software. So I, I believe we're part of that journey of making our our grid that much smarter, uh, so that again we're getting more out of the existing assets that we have. And uh, the best invention that humans have come up with in order to do that is typically called software and computing.
0: So I'm going to ask you a question now, and I'm pretty sure no one at the office is going to listen to this podcast, so you don't have to worry about him giving you any grief, but I'm really curious. As someone (laughs) uh, who is so focused on the concept of energy and efficiency, when's the last time that you actually had your phone run out of battery and you were just stuck with no phone?
1: Um, uh, I I am struggling to come up with that because – I think, I think one of the things that batteries do for us, uh, and it's becoming part of our everyday lives and, and, and pretty much everything these days, you know, not just cars and phones, but you know, pretty much they're looking at, um, is, is you become much more aware of what you're doing in your relationship with energy and, and how much of it you're, you're using. I have an electric car, for instance, and you know, when I had petro, petrochemical-based cars, it was kind of like, ah, uh, you know, it's something that we have to pay for. And there's surely a gas station somewhere. And while EV charging infrastructure, just like our, 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 you know, the plugins that we have to, to charge our phones are, are, are becoming more pervasive. This, this, you know, um, electrification of vehicles, this relationship that we have with the computer that we call an iPhone, et cetera. I think it's beginning to educate us as individuals, uh, about what our relationship is. So not only in tr- terms of charging, a phone and you know making sure that it's always uh, up and running and ready to go to do what you need to do, but also how much energy is it consuming and is it that the most efficient way of of uh, you know getting uh, getting you know services from the phone? I think those are some of the. But I can't remember the last time I ran out of battery on on my iPhone. To, to answer your question, I'm going
0: to I'm going to be honest with you, John. That's the exact answer I expected you to give me. I've really, you <laughs> you did not disappoint at all. And today has been absolutely fascinating. I've had an opportunity to have a conversation with John Jung. He's the president and CEO for Greensmith Energy, a Bartzilla company. John, thank you so much for taking the time and energy today to talk to me. I really have appreciated it.
1: Thanks for the opportunity. I had great fun.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.